0: When the spawn meets world, for meets world. When the spawn meets world. What up, bro? What
1: up, bro? And welcome to Bro meets World. When the
0: spawn meets world.
1: Your boy meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode thirty. I'm Siege, and I'm your boy TC. And we have a guest today.
0: Hey. <laughs> Caroline, would you like to say hi to everyone?
2: Hi, everybody.
1: (laughs) Uh, Caroline is our uh, old friend from high school, Uh, but it's actually really interesting. It's from high school, and then it's just kind of
0: been a uh, friendship outside of school because you moved away. (laughs) Well, I love about Yeah. What I love about both of you guys is that I got to know you guys both way better after high school, almost exclusively through social media. And that's the beauty of the friendship I have with both of you.
2: Yes, Well, like, thinking back, you two, like, stand out more than I think anybody else from high school. Like, the two most genuine people that made an impact on me as a person.
0: That's fantastic. That's good. I I, I take because I thought... uh, You hear
1: that, Um, Mom? I'm genuine.
0: (laughs) Now, Carrie, you know, one thing we always like to ask our guests is, you know, what is your history with the show Boy Meets World?
2: Well, it, I think, developed me as a person more than any other show growing up. Um, Seeing, like, Corey and Topanga's love story is just how I based dating and crushes and standards of what I expected a guy to be like. Just how I think about love.
1: No, that,
0: that, that, that was, was a great one. answer. Um, and how was high school for you? What are, what are your memories of high school in general?
2: I'm just like confusing. I feel like I didn't know who I was as a person. So I was constantly trying to be a million different people. And it's funny, TCU and I have talked about it, like the I'm Cool Club. I could not have felt less cool in high school so the fact that you started that and we were in it together I'm like I'm the least cool person so
0: yeah me and Caroline and a few other freshmen were in this group called the I'm cool club (laughs) and the I'm cool club was basically like we sat together at lunch and then every now and then we'd go to the movies on like a weekend (laughs) or something like that and I don't know. I don't know what there was nothing else to the club really. It was just a bunch of like <laughs> freshmen sophomores who were just trying to like get through it together. You had a I Fool Club, I cannot believe that. Hashtag <laughs> to see. Ready for the tell me about it? Yeah, alright. So Tell me about it. So,
1: tell me about it. Mr. Turner is explaining to the class why Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing is an amazing play, and the students say that love, sex, and slander just aren't as shocking now as they used to be back in Shakespeare's day with tabloids and reality TV. So, Turner pairs the students off into boy-girl groups to interview their friends and family about love and sex, which Feeney is hesitant about. Corey and Topanga are paired off and get plenty of interviews, but when editing turns into a late night, of course, Things get a
0: little bit messy. Um, uh, Caroline, and this will
2: This, I was actually really excited about this episode because having two daughters, it was kind of things that I've already thought about is gossip and reputation. And in today's world, so much worse than it even would have been back then. But I found it really interesting
1: Yeah, no, I think it's, I love that you say that, especially, like, the having the daughters thing. I was really impressed with how they approached this and kind of how direct this episode is. It's, like, usually they're skirting around it, but, like, this one was just, like, a, did you or did you not sleep with her? And I was like, oh, wow, we're, like, just straight up going
0: there. Yeah, and one of the big takeaways I took from this episode was the attention Corey got when people thought that he had sex mm-hmm. the mom guys who used to beat me up are trying to take their picture with me and there is was the, the one big thing about this episode that i'm sure we'll talk about in more detail is they're asking like Corey, did you sleep with topanga he doesn't say yeah i slept with her he says i'm the man because to be a man means to have sex and to be promiscuous and all these things that are glorified for men but shamed within women Which is also,
1: like, one of the things... You know how I feel about white boy logic. Like, this is one of the things where Corey, the entire time he's speaking, is, like, trying to justify his angles, and he's all about technicalities during the conversation. You know what I mean? It's just, Corey's just like, well, technically, we did sleep together, or technically, you know, these things will just pass. And it's like, this is Corey's way of justifying his actions that he knows are wrong, and it's just... Like, even when you said, when they're like, did you sleep with her or not? He goes, I'm the man. Which is his way of saying, I never said it. Uh, Which is, they just kind of leave that back door in there. And I just, it was something I noticed.
2: That scene was interesting, too, because he's standing there. And just more and more guys come up behind him. Until it's a whole crowd of just guys pressuring him to say that he did it. And then in the background, there's Topanga standing there. Just no one around her. And it's like she's not going to get any positive attention from this, but every guy is just going to tell Corey he's a god and gets all this positive recognition for something that she's just going to get totally shamed for.
0: Shout out. You're right. Shout out for whoever directed this episode because that was a real great way to to visually show how isolated Topanga was, but how celebrated Corey was. Just in that one shot, you could pause it and still kind of interpret what was going on. Well, not only that, but like if you really look at that scene... a a few older guys
1: start to look at Dependa. Like, it's like uh, there's that group uh, of the circle, but, like, since she's off in the corner, there are all these guys who just start to look at her as they pass, and they're clearly older, dude's not in her grade, and you do understand
0: that, whoa, things have, like, shifted, and it's a really... This is, like, a really big deal. (laughs) Well, and, Kara, I don't know how much of this season you have seen... Me and Siege, obviously, have been watching through... Um, and I think because I feel like we've only seen Topanga maybe one other episode, and she already looks so much older than she did the last time I saw her. And this was the first time I saw her that I was like, "Oh, okay, they're they're getting to that age, I guess." Like it just yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and the nice thing about Boy Meets World that I think is kind of different in shows today is they were kids going through puberty, so they do look different, and they look like the age they're. Per- portraying not you know like a 19 year old who's playing a 14 year old so you really feel like they're as awkward as they are pretending to be
1: so i want to get into that awkwardness first um another thing with the first thoughts real quick was when this episode started when i saw the still of this episode i was like i remember this episode this was one of the episodes that is like ingrained they don't even go back to it several times but it's just imprinted in your mind as a Boy Meets World viewer, I think. It's like, you remember this episode. And I don't know if it was the first time I saw an episode talk about sex that I could relate to, but it was just definitely... An iconic episode of Boy Meets World, if that makes any sense.
0: No, totally iconic. It's one of the ones I remember, too. Um, And the other thing about this episode is that it wastes no time. Like, we open up on class, and they're already talking about Much Ado About Nothing. We're getting right right into the plot. A lot of times we watch these Boy Meets World episodes, there's a lot of bullshit. B and C storyline, Morgan saying some bullshit to, you know, (laughs) one liner. You know, there's a lot of other stuff going on. This one, it the entire episode is focused on this plot, um, which I think is helpful with discussing the subject matter, which can be kind of awkward.
2: Yeah, I mean, isn't the first line that opens up is love, sex, slander, and then Turner underlines it, and it's like, they're right in.
1: What's actually really funny, that kind of breaks up the episode, too. It's like, that's the story arc we get. We get, they're talking about love, then they're talking about
0: sex, and then we end with slander. It literally is like, bam, bam, bam. (laughs) Did you guys have any history with Much Ado About Nothing? Do you guys know of Much Ado About Nothing? Did you guys remember reading it? What's your knowledge base of it?
1: So I actually do remember reading it. And I rem- it's like a really fun play, too. Like I didn't really remember the, um, the storyline about... Um, sorry, I just didn't remember the storyline really well. I'll just put it that way. But I did remember reading it in high school uh, and enjoying the play. Like, that, it's one of the ones that I remember. That and, like, Midsummer Night's Dream are the two that I really remember. Kara?
2: Yeah, I don't – I tried to, like, look up a synopsis or cliff notes after I watched the episode. And I have to say I don't really remember much or if I did read it in high school.
0: So I know I read it in high school. I don't remember shit about it. I know I read it in high school because I remember watching the movie – yeah. Um, with Michael Keaton, Emma Thompson, Denzel Washington, and Keanu Reeves, and I can't tell you, watching Keanu Reeves do Shakespeare ruined Keanu Reeves for me for life. <laughs> I cannot take him seriously in any role. Love John Wick, but I cannot take this guy seriously. Oh, that was where you put it off with Keanu? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, ben? like, I like Bill and Ted, I was just like, oh, it's a character, ah, you know, but no, it's, it's, it's bad. Um... What do we think about this whole subject matter of
1: like, I mean, we know and the whole point of the episode is that the stories that we tell ourselves now are very similar to the ones that were in Shakespeare's time. We aren't as far as we've come. But what do you think about the fact that the kids like immediately when Mr. Turner was like, where are you going to find this stuff? They were like, no Rose Place. Like there is already like this sense of mature content and the way it's kind of like mishandled. What, what
0: do you think about that? Oh, well, you know, I think that kids are constantly going to try to relate what they're reading to what's actually relevant in their lives. Like, nowadays, I don't think that kids even pay attention to television at all, really. I think that, like, they probably are talking about, like, YouTube channels and celebrities and things like that. And But they're still – it's the same stories. It's the same kind of recycled – uh, you know, monomyths of of love over and over and over again. Just present it in all these different ways, and I think Turner does a great job of trying to illustrate that. Like, hey, what we read years ago is the same thing. It's, he's the Lin Manuel Miranda of the school. He's like, yo, we can make this relevant. Like, this isn't this isn't so old that it's impossible to understand.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think. It was interesting to think about what kids today would relate to. I mean, they said Melrose Place, but I mean, would kids today think like Kim Kardashian and the sex tape or, you know, stuff like that. So I think history just keeps repeating itself and And now it's like, there's like no innocence left.
1: Well, so I disagree that there's no innocence left. I feel like there's always like innocence is there. It's just based on how you measure it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Because I think that children may be aware of more things now, but they still could be naive about what it means. I I agree with that. I think the
0: knowledge is there, but I think the responsibility of what to do and how to handle that knowledge still comes with age and wisdom. I think that you could do this exact same episode now if you did it with a group that was maybe three years younger though, because of Caroline's point of, us aging so fast these conversations initial conversations about sex are happening much earlier than high school i think
2: yeah
0: and they would be using snapchat <laughs> yeah. and yeah. that's the other thing is that these kids now can have these conversations completely alone in complete secrecy um so i, I you know to f- this whole episode is kind of like feeny and turner like is this appropriate for us to step in? Is this appropriate for us to talk about in the classroom? But I think, especially as technology's kind of evolved, and like I said, these conversations are happening in places like Snapchat, it's important to use the classroom and to use adults to kind of like have like the responsibility of talking about things openly. Um, I mean, Feeney says something, um, he's like, you're giving them a video camera and an opportunity to talk openly about sex. This isn't our place. But Like, kids need to talk openly about sex. Or am I wrong? I don't know. Is there an age limit for when you can talk about sex? Kara, you have kids.
2: Yeah, I think having the adult, not supervision, but kind of the baseline of correct information is important because when you do leave kids just to talk to each other about it, it's just misinformation, or they're talking about standards that aren't real, and then it's just going back and forth, back and forth. So if they have, like, a base knowledge... Or, or seeing at home what an actual loving relationship looks like, then when they're talking to each other, hopefully it wouldn't be just, I don't know, like naked pictures Snapchatted back and forth or, and thinking that's, that's a loving relationship.
1: I think we're always going to have naked pictures going back and forth, you know, between teenagers. I feel like that's been going on since the beginning of time. It was Polaroids
0: before wow. it was it was. <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Egyptian carvings, like it's been yeah, around exactly. forever. Exactly, it was like, yeah,
1: just, just here, I'm going to whittle this uh, naked figure for you to look at. Um, one of the things, that, and you know how I feel about Mr. Feeney uh, at the beginning of this season, I'm like, Mr. Feeney's very old school, he's very hard, but one thing that I agreed with with Mr. Feeney was when everything, when the rumor gets out and it's very clear that Topanga is the target of this, uh rumor mill. What Feeney says is you gave them a camera and you left, or you gave them an assignment about sex and then you left them unsupervised. And that was where I was like, I agree with Feeney. It's not that the assignment was wrong. It's that you gave them an assignment and then absolutely no supervision. You know what I mean? Like there's no checking in process. There's no um, all right, we're going to edit these together and I'll look over and see where you're going with this narrative. You were pretty much like a, this is your assignment, as if it was any other essay and not the sensitive information that really did need to be watched over.
0: You know, while I while I don't agree that, like, Feeney really makes it seem like it's Turner's fault that this happened. And I really don't think that's the case. He gave them homework. They, they're, one, they're the ones that fell asleep. It could have happened with any assignment. However... The fact that he shows that tape without previewing it first is a bad teacher move. Like, you're telling me you're not even going to watch this before showing it to a group? Bro, are you serious? And it's not even his class.
1: It seems like if you look at it, there are, like, people standing on the background. Like, was it just a free-for-all? Like, if you want to watch the tape of Corey and Topanga? <laughs> Hardly did to... it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> did they sell tickets? It's just the class is way more full than it should be. There
0: are, like adult characters and i assume other teachers in the classroom you're right other kids are missing their classes to be a part yeah. of what they think is going to be a public viewing of Corey penetrating topanga yes yeah. yeah, exactly what is that about <laughs> and mr feeney doesn't seem bothered by that he's like he's not like a i can't
1: believe you're going to show the tape to all of these strangers um who should be elsewhere he's just like a, oh why are you still showing the tape? And I agree with Turner that it's like, a, well, the assignment, I trust the students and I believe that this is innocent. But yeah, you're right. It's like, we all should have did a private viewing, Corey Topanga, Mr. Feeney, Mr. Turner, and like just really see what we're going with here. Maybe some parents for legal reasons. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, What did you guys think about um, some of the responses that were given for the interview as far as the, you know... Corey and Topanga are trying to put together this video of what people think of love, sex, and slander. Well, not really slander, mostly love and sex. Um, what did you think of some of the answers that were produced? Care?
2: Yeah. Um, Corey's parents were my favorite. The whole voting analogy is, like, the best. Sex is like voting. <laughs> it's a privilege that you may choose to exercise when you're old enough. One. And you don't want to vote for somebody you haven't known for a really long time or have strong feelings for because you may be stuck with that person for quite a while.
0: Yes, sex is like voting. You go behind a curtain, you do your thing, and then you get to do it again in four years.
1: That's a great <laughs> TV joke. It's a great Such TV an joke. Alan joke. Yeah. Yeah. very, very much an Allen joke. And I even like a little callback later when, like, uh, can I come wake you up? And she's like, for what? And he's like, you know, to
0: use your right as an American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do talk about getting it on a lot, though. Like, me and CG, I've noticed this. Like, they, Alan and Amy have a pretty healthy sex life going on, I think.
2: Well, yeah. What is it? Like, last season, they have another kid. Like, they're that's clearly,
0: cr- they're really still non-stop. going at Stop.
1: That's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, they've been knocking boots for some time. So, the fact that
0: Amy <laughs> got pregnant it was, yeah, it was just a numbers game. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's bound to happen.
0: I was a little heartbroken myself because I was telling CJ how much I love uh, Harley, Frankie, and Joey. Frankie was not in this episode, but we do get to see Joey quite a bit. I wrote Joey's piece down, and I
1: love Joey's piece. It's it's honestly, it's one of those things where it's like uh, wisdom from a fool. You know what I mean? It's just like it's so perfectly... It's such a perfect synopsis from like this unlikely source and I loved it.
0: Okay, sex is very beautiful, especially within the confines of a loving monogamous relationship, preferably marriage. And when he said that, like for me, like that was the one thing in the episode that took me out of it and I was like, oh, this feels like a PSA. Like just He's that. that? Because for him to say that, I was just like, I don't know. It just seemed like they were like, Well, yeah, we're going to do this episode about sex, but we're going to make sure that all the characters don't say that they want to have sex a lot. Like, no one ever talks about, like, the enjoyment part of sex. They either talk about love or they're like, hey, be careful with sex. That's it. Well,
1: I don't know, because I would disagree for several reasons. One, when I wrote this thing about Corey, which I loved, which is when Corey's talking to Mr. Turner.
2: What's more important? Love or, you know, the other thing?
0: Love. Love is the most important thing in the world, Matthews, and love is the only thing that makes sex worth having.
1: And then Corey's like, okay, so from that, to deduct what you just said, have you ever been in love? No, not yet. Have you ever had sex? Wait, what? And he's just like, uh, according to what you just said, sex is only good if you're in love. And you just said that you i have never been in love. So,
0: it was so facto, and I was like, good on Corey. <laughs> well, also, I felt like in that moment, I was like, this is what Feeney was talking about. Kids asking teachers about their sex lives, this does not need to, this needs to get reined in. That's also very true. I didn't even think about the whole student-teacher aspect of it. That is a lawsuit, so. <laughs> yeah.
2: And the best part about when Corey's asking him that, that I noticed, I wrote down a couple times, Corey is like so awkward about even saying the word sex. So when he's asking her he's like, have you, you know, you know, and then when he's talking to his parents, he spells it out. And I was like, I remember being that age and thinking that saying the word sex was bad. Or like, I remember spelling it out for like probably way too long.
0: (laughs) Up until about two years ago, Caroline was spelling out (laughs) the word sex. Uh, Exactly. What's funny too is that this idea of, um, he's trying to masquerade that he's done it, but he can't even say it, what it is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wrote down uh, is that,
1: Corey is not mature enough to have this conversation. Like, it's immediately clear, and they kind of play up how immature Corey is. Like, it's like we're dealing with adult subjects, uh, such as sex, and I still think that it's fine for us to have this conversation at this age, but what's interesting is Corey is, like, Topanga is clearly thought about this and prepared you know what I mean it's just like when he asked Topanga what she thinks about sex she has an answer and she's just like
0: to boys let's face it sex is just the goal it's something they're after and they're not really sure why I think sex is part of a special kind of love that you feel for a very special person and Corey
1: is like doing zoom cams and running around the hall and you're like this dude is not mature enough to like even stay focused on the subject let alone participate in sex of any
0: kind. But can we talk for a second about Topanga's answer? Because I thought, all right, Topanga comes in, she's looking great. Her hair is so (laughs) great in this episode. Um, And she gives this really, like, to the point, concise answer of, you know, I think sex... Well, she says, uh, to to boys, sex is just a goal. It's something they're after and they're not really sure why. And I was like, oh... Okay, we're really getting into this shit now because that was so such a perceptive thing for a like a a teenage girl to to come to the conclusion of. I thought, um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, in regards to the
1: perceptive, because I immediately thought to me, I was like, oh, her parents have sat down with her and had this conversation.
2: And you know, when I heard her say that too, I thought the same thing. And having daughters, I'm like, they probably did sit her down, like Grace. I mean, like, not the same thing. But Grace has been, like, pushed down by a boy at the playground before. So even at three, we're having the talk, like, boys are different than girls. Boys do things different than girls. They think differently than girls. Because to her, it was so confusing. Like, why would a boy push me down? She would never go push a kid down. So I think as a parent of girls, Topanga's parents probably did talk to her about it and explain, like, this is – boys are going to want to do this. They don't even know why. Here's how it is.
0: Kara, do you Eric, remember... I'm sorry, go ahead,
1: I was just going to say, as much as I love the Matthews, I don't think they've ever set them down to have, like, a conversation. You know, like, we talked about the talk. Oh, I, Alan's before. had the talk, but the Alan's talk is just like, Yeah, but uh, <laughs> the Alan's talk. I don't think we've had the... Because we did this with Eric. We had this conversation with Eric uh, when the girl was in his room about, like, women are people, and, you know, you need to treat them as such... But I just don't feel like we sat down and had the conversation the way that Topanga's parents clearly had with her, which is like not just that you're gonna want to have sex, but like the motivations of other people and society pressures and um, how sex is a goal that you're gonna want and not even really know why. Like I think that like, Topanga put it perfectly, which is like it's this goal that guys want and they don't even really know why, and I feel like that could be circumvented if more parents just were like, no, you're gonna want to have that thing. And you don't even know why it's just an urge. And I don't know, I don't have kids. But I feel like that's part of a conversation that you should
0: have. Yeah. Caroline, question for you. Do you remember being 13 to 14? And what were your thoughts at sex? Like you're getting into high school, you're you're hearing that some people are doing it, maybe you're maybe you hear it, maybe you don't. What is that whole mind, like your emotional, thought process going into high school with sex
2: I feel like it was just very confusing like wanted to do it didn't know why but also I didn't really want to but I would. you? Remember, I mean I was in a kind of long-term relationship I guess for a 14 year old back then and it was like this pressure that we're getting to that point but then now looking back I'm like that's young as fuck. Like, I could not have been thinking about that, let alone like, well, that's bound to happen soon. So I feel like it was just, like, my parents probably should have had a talk with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I do feel, I mean, uh, and I feel this in all relationships, but people just like, well, you know, we've been together for so long now, so now it's time for this. And I feel like in high school, that's always trying to that's always being used to try to pressure someone into a sexual situation
2: yes i agree Actually, like it's, what you sometimes it's say. like outside people like looking at your relationship like well they probably are or maybe they should or i heard they have so you're kind of like well people think we have we might as well do it
1: well i think it's really interesting that you brought up TC, that that continues in all stages of life. Like it, it's in high school, it's sex, but then you get older and it's getting married or having kids. It's just like, there's always this idea of, well, everyone else kind of thinks we should be doing it at this point in time. Or and we're I,
0: at that age where it's time that we do this now. And yeah. I mean, like I said, that could be said about marriage or sex or, or our kids or whatever like it's just we're at that age and that that social expectation of what it means to be 16 in high school well you're a boy in 16 and you haven't had sex yet you're probably not very cool like that's just some bullshit like old porky's movie that some kid saw that influences mine mind that perpetuated this myth what do we think about the whole argument of of
1: the weight of love and i think it's important of course you mentioned it where uh, this is an ABC family show, this is the 90s, you know, pushing love to the forefront of having sex makes sense and I'm not against it, but what do we think about these arguments and this discussion of love is the only thing that makes sex worth having and like the really
0: big emphasis
1: of love and and sex and
0: how we talk about sex with uh, students. It's funny, I think they were so worried about trying to romanticize sex that I think Boy Meets World inadvertently romanticized love to a point where I'm getting to the age where I feel like it wasn't completely responsible. Because, like Caroline kind of mentioned, like my whole views and thoughts of love were, sorry to say, shaped by this show. And maybe that's just a a slight on me for allowing that to happen. (laughs) But there is just this whole thing throughout the entire series of just like, there is nothing more important than love and love is for like Corey and Topanga, their whole epic romance as it shapes out throughout the years. Um, it makes you to the point where it's like, well, if you're a Corey that doesn't have a Topanga or if you're a Topanga that doesn't have a Cory, then what are you? And that like that whole, like, well, I don't have this. So clearly I don't have the greatest thing there is to have because I don't have a partner or a traditional relationship. Um, so yeah, I do I do think there's some merit to like love and sex being joined together, although you know, people might agree with me that sometimes sex is better without love. But I think the more dangerous idea is this whole idea that without love you are nothing. Because I think it creates a lot of social pressure for people to rush into relationships that maybe aren't true loves. I don't know. I agree. Yeah,
2: I think I let it get too deep at that age of what the whole, like, I need a Corey. I need to find my Corey. I'm not in love and something is wrong. And just wanting that relationship so badly.
1: Yeah. To this day, I know several people who like a Corey and Topanga type relationship is like the epitome of gold. It's like you, you do, you, expect all of those things. And what's even crazy for me is it doesn't even stop at Corey and Topanga. Most of my friendships have been built around this show and, like, wanting to find a Sean. You know what I mean? And so, like, and, and I'm being very serious about this. Me and my best friend, like, I, I the other day was his birthday, and I was like, the Sean to my Corey. And when I date someone, I expect someone to understand and respect the friendship, that closeness, the same way Topanga does. You know, it's like a That may not be accurate, but because that's what I've always had, I was like, oh, I found this, so I should be able to find someone who's just as accepting and just as, like, okay with all that goes on, because I've seen it on TV, so I know that it works.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you guys the question about sex without love. Do you feel like there's a place for it? Do you feel like it should be talked about, at least have a discussion about, um, when talking about responsible sex? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> because I think for me, I'm always more pragmatic and realistic. And I'm like, a statistically, you're going to have sex without love way more often. Or at least I have. So, uh, so it's important to have that conversation and understand that you're not a bad person for sleeping with someone that you don't love. You know, like I think if, if all you do is equate sex and love all the time and you have sex with someone that you're not in love with, that's where that guilt and shame comes from. That's when you're like, oh, I've lost something precious, or I'm doing a disservice to someone. And that's just not true. It's like, you can have sex with someone and not love them. You can love someone, and they're not required to have sex with you. You know, It's like, I think when you join the two, that's when you get into this very dangerous place uh, that a lot of violence and misunderstanding and rumors and slander and all these other things come from it comes from this place of people being like love and sex go together. And if I love you, then I should be having sex with you. Or if I've had sex with you, then it must be because I love you.
0: Yeah. I was going to say the other end of that is that thing where you're not really in love, but you kind of force yourself to kind of like make it into a loving situation because you're like, if if I don't know any better, and I'm just I watched you know I was taught that love is everything, and I'm in this relationship with this person, and I I'm into them, I like them, and we have sex for the first time, and I've never had sex before. I'm gonna equate that feeling to love, and I don't know that that's the best thing to do either necessarily, because if I haven't had a strong enough relationship to form that love, I'm going to mislabel what love is. And I, that's what I think is the danger there, too, if that makes sense actually, at all. I don't know if I, that's just a rambling. but
1: It's actually really funny because I used to tell people all the time <clears throat> that I used to date someone that I just wanted to have sex with, but I didn't know that. What I thought was that I wanted to – I was like, oh, well, if I want to have sex with you, that must mean that I like, I want to date you. You know what I mean? Or like, I I knew that I just wanted to sleep with them, but because love and sex were matched, it was like in order for me to sleep with you, I have to make this into a legitimate relationship. When in reality, it's like a no. All I wanted to do was this one thing, and if you agree to do that one thing, then we're fine. There's no need to draw this out to a four month unhealthy balance. You know, of like resistance, where it's like, a, oh, I guess I can kind of like the way that you watch TV, if that means. <laughs> you know what I mean
2: especially for girls it's so easy to get like swept up in emotion and want a guy to like you back and so I think mislabeling the feelings are is probably really common so like explaining especially to a girl like you can have sex just because you want to have sex and then you don't need to be overly concerned with how they feel back about you Because I think it's really easy for a girl, too, once you have sex, be like, well, this must be love. Or this is what love feels like. Or now we have to be in a relationship. I have to have him like me back.
1: So it's actually uh, really funny. I want to say off of that, we get a lot of... Boy Meets World, as great as it is, it has very few female characters. And I was thinking about the fact that we see sex from the male point of view kind of constantly. Like we get Amy's responsible motherly advice, which we need and and always enjoy. And then we get Topanga's mature understanding. And then for the rest of the episode, Topanga's playing defense. But all we get are these other interpretations of how sex makes men feel are the boys in this episode. It's like, it's just male account after male account of, of sex. Does that make sense? I mean, like, we even get janitor buds. Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> and actually, I kind of wish, I mean, as much as I love Topanka's response, because I actually wrote that, like, it was really refreshing to see a female speak so articulately and confidently and firmly about their positions on sex, especially at that age. But it would have been nice to have, like, okay, so later in the season or next season, Topanga gets a friend named Trini that's played by Brittany Murphy. oh um, mm-hmm. Yeah, RIP. Um, <laughs> it would be nice to have a third female character, a child that maybe doesn't, a female perspective, that maybe doesn't have that mature understanding. Like, I said this about Amy in a past uh, podcast about how she's so undeveloped that she's only allowed to be perfect. She's not given any flaws because we haven't seen her character evolve to the point where she needs to learn or grow. And I kind of feel like Topanga's in that same boat right now. As much as I love what she's giving off, um, she is a finished character. She's not a character that's growing at all. And I think it would be more refreshing if she came to some kind of uh, aha moment as well throughout the episode versus it solely being on uh, Corey.
2: I agree. And Corey's so, you can tell how uncomfortable he feels about talking about sex and the idea of sex. And it would have been nice to see a girl feeling the same way because thinking back, that's how I felt. Like so confused about the topic that I was probably, I could relate to Corey more, how he was acting and his awkwardness about the subject. And
1: that no, I was just going to say, that's kind of like the disservice that we put on girls. It's that whole thing that girls mature before boys, which is what they're getting at. It's like Topanga has the answers because Topanga's been talked to about it, and she's always the smart one. And, you know, she has her act together, and then Corey's just being an immature little kid. But that means that Topanga's ha- Topanga has to uh, be the mature one, and is allowed the freedom of just innocently
0: being like oh my god what are we
1: doing what are we talking about
0: what happened you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. it would have been nice um because the turner divided them up in the boy girl it would have been nice if they did like sean's project with another girl in the class and had that kind of be a counterbalance i mean i understand they can only fit so much into an episode because they really did jam-pack this episode with one story um but even if they like had like the last like glimpse of their presentation before Cory and Topanga's or someone else's just to kind of get that that view across. That would have been nice or interesting.
1: Yeah, I like, what do you think about the whole boy-girl pairing? Because I was like, what was the first of all, is the class just perfectly divided up with like boys and girls? I was like, well, that's
0: convenient. There's 12 (laughs) desks in the entire class. It seems pretty easy to do. (laughs) No, I like, is there six and six? Like, if we go back and count, are there six boys and six
1: girls and everyone gets to pair off? And you're right, who Sean paired off with? Like, what, what, what's going on here? I want more information, number one. And then uh, number two was, like, I would have actually liked to see the assignment, considering how close Corey and Sean are. Like, what if he didn't say boy, girl? Like, what, what kind of project would we have gotten from a Corey and Sean
0: production you know what I, mean? well, I think you know what i think turner did it in a way so that men and women can begin to try to understand each other because i feel if Corey and sean had done that project together it would have been two bros just kind of backing each other up. it would have it would have been like this much about sex and the rest of it would have been some action movie that they created in the halls of john adams high like the, <laughs> the, the emotional maturity i don't think was there for them to kind of get to a point where Corey would have learned anything and I'll use Sean's quote as an example, which I kind of want to talk to you guys about. Sean says in their video, Love is really great. And it's even better if you love someone who likes you better than you like her, because, and she'll pay for stuff. And if she's paying. Love is way cool. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. I, But also, that's perfectly Sean, is it not? It is. It is. Well, again, we've
1: also leaned more into Sean's class this season, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, His (laughs) his uncle was in the documentary where he was blurred out and his voice was changed. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's very clear what they're, the picture they're painting about Sean. So the idea that Sean would hear secondary, uh, that if her paying for everything is the way to go about it, it makes it even better uh,
0: is a very interesting note. I I kind of more so wanted to talk about his concept of it's better if she likes you more than you like her. Because then, like, in my interpretation of that is you have control in the relationship. That's why she's paying because there is control in the relationship and that whole logic of, yeah, we're in a relationship, but this one is the catcher and this one's the chaser and that whole thing in relationship. I
2: think that it's that's so Sean is that that's probably something that his character has gone through a lot when he's got the hair and he's, you know, the love interest for so many girls that there probably are a lot of girls in that school that like him more than he likes them. And he even says, I think they ask, have you ever been in love? And he said five times a day. So it's just clear that he, it, it never goes too deep for him, but it's probably going too deep for these five girls a day that are already having stronger feelings for him. Oh,
0: he's, he's making it deep for those five girls a day, Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> if, what do you think about this? Because you're bringing up a, an interesting idea, which is the sense that because Sean has so many options, he is so picky and he plays the field and he really looks for like what he wants. He has options. Corey doesn't seem to have as many options. So for him, he is looking for monogamy. He is looking for the one. Is it <clears throat> is it that you find the one because you want to find the one or because you don't have the options to explore other ones. I don't know. Actually, that's a very...
1: I have a lot of thoughts that I want to keep to myself.
0: (laughs) No, this is the format for it. Like, this is it. (laughs) Like I honestly feel
1: that the more options that you're presented, the longer it takes you, unless you have a direct example to follow, and your parents have spoken to you about uh, the benefits and the hardships of being in a monogamous relationship, I think that the more options that you have, the more you're willing to explore those options. Whereas when you have fewer options, you do take time to develop the small nuances. You know what I mean? It's like a you look for someone uh, who you're compatible with in general, because the the easy access things aren't
0: as easy for you.
1: Oh, if that makes any sense.
0: No, totally, because it it's that idea of like um like when you have so many options, you can be really picky about like oh, he's a loud chewer. Whereas, like, <laughs> that's something that otherwise you could just be like, oh, I can get over that because we uh, relate on emotional level. You know, th- there's those little things like that yeah. where you get really picky when there's 12 other people hitting up your DMs, you know. Well, and I think that's kind of like why even when we see the series,
1: Corey finds someone sooner and, and we actually kind of flesh out Corey's relationships more than we do Sean. And, you know, even by the end of the series, Sean is single, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like Sean was so used to, like, just having options and being able to, you know, I drop one, another one will come along. That's kind of like Sean's mentality when it comes to dating and girls is he's just kind of like, oh, you know, something else will come if if I
0: lose this. He doesn't really invest in anything the way that Corey does. Except with Corey. Except with Corey. That's what he invests in. He invests in Corey.
2: The true love story of the whole series.
0: <laughs> it really is. Like, I, like Corey and Sean's relationship, I think, is even better than Corey and Topanga's relationship in a lot of oh, ways. Wait, it, because, okay. <laughs> as we pointed out, I think there are a lot of unhealthy things about Corey and Topanga's relationship that will come to light as we kind of go on. But Sean and Corey, I don't know. They kind of always kept pretty 100 with each other. Again, that's what the
1: the whole bromance came from. It's just like there's this brotherly romantic story arc between the two of them uh, that is platonic, you know? It's like it's at its core, it's platonic, but it's just as much of a love story. It's just as much of a, there's conflict, there's uh, hurdles, but
0: there's true intimacy and uh, trust. So I have a question for, for the group um cory opens up and i agree about, i'm sorry i to- totally agree with you cj um at the end of this Corey opens up and he gives a public apology and i wanted to know does a public apology make up for acts of indiscretion in general because in our kind of new me too movement that we're in things get a little dicey, and sometimes a public apology just doesn't cut it. In other ways, you could be like a public official, give an apology, and it goes away. What, I mean, does does an apology really n- mean all is forgiven and forgotten, I guess is what I want to know, in regards to, like, acts of indiscretion, and maybe I'm making this too big, but I, I just, I thought that was just a really interesting concept of, like, a public apology makes up for this, and I've seen so many public apologies, especially from oh, hey, we just spilled oil into the Gulf. We're sorry. Like, that thing of just, like, well, mm-hmm. no, sometimes sorry doesn't really matter. I mean, in this circumstance, I thought Corey handled it really well, but in general, I've seen a lot of, like, especially in 90s television, you'll see, like, Saved by the Bell, where it's Zach's like, you know what, guys? I can't do this. Hey, pep rally, I want to apologize to these three people. You know nothing about the situation. Like, there's so <laughs> many public apologies <laughs> that happen, and I just, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Okay.
2: So, I Was good too, because it's like his intentions were really pure. So he he didn't just say I'm really sorry I shouldn't have said it. He kind of like went into people thought something happened and it didn't, and then after the tape he looks at Topanga and he said friends. So it's like he did it because he values her friendship. So I think as opposed to just kind of yeah I'm sorry, but I'm mostly sorry I got caught. It's he was making that apology because not having, and he was wearing the same thing that he was wearing when she left. So when I noticed that, I was like, she left, and he was like, I Damn, did not
1: notice that.
2: This.
1: Even like at the end, when Sean's kind of like, oh, you're doing this because you like her, he's like, no, I'm doing this because she's my friend. And I realized that I, I almost ruined my friendship. You know, I think one of the things with Corey, we've seen a lot is Corey feels like I have no social clout. So it's okay if Sean doesn't get invited to a party or if Topanga's reputation gets smudged for me to get a little bit because I have nothing. And you guys will be fine because you guys have stuff. And you can you can stand to lose a little bit of cred, but I have nothing. And Corey, Ooh, like, he yes. allows... it's a friend. really selfish way to... It's yeah, really selfish trade of this. Yeah, that's how Corey interprets things like for example when Topanga's like uh I want my name back his response is you know some people would say Topanga's not that great of a name <laughs> to begin with and you're like see he, he's defending himself and he's just like uh, oh it's completely fine because you'll be okay but when she came back and she was like I used to think you were a good person and now I don't even know if you're that anymore he realized that the one thing that he doesn't know much about where he stands, but he does see himself as a good person. And if he loses that, then he
0: really doesn't have anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. When she says, I don't like you to him, who was <laughs> that powerful? Like, it's something that's so like, um, I don't like you. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I wouldn't even think to say that to someone like that, but the way she does it, like, you could tell, like, it really stops Corey in his tracks.
2: Yeah. I think it, like that hit him deep that not only like, am I mad at you right now? Like I don't like you. Yeah. It's just like such a strong way to put it that I think that's what really made him step back from the situation and assess what he was doing.
0: And hats off to Danielle Fisher because official, because she sells that line. Like when she says it, she man, she you it's like, you don't want Topanga not to like you. (laughs) Of anyone. <laughs> Very much so.
1: I think um, one of the things that I wanted to say about the confession at the end is there's uh, I realized that for Corey to come and say this with Harley in the class, with all like a, a, a large part of the school, Mr. Feeney, Mr. Turner, and be like, hey, they think something happened, but nothing happened uh, because nothing's ever happened with me. I had no experience in that. Corey is publicly shaming himself by being like, I am a virgin. You know, and we've kind of proven that at least in this world at this time, being a virgin for a boy a teenage boy Boy, is the worst thing you could be. You might as well have the plague. Exactly. But again, it's kind of terrible because it's not equivalent. A boy being like, hey, I haven't had sex is not the same thing as a girl's reputation being dragged through the mud, but our society treats them the same. And it's like, for Corey to be like, hey, I'm a virgin, everyone's like, oh, wow, you've leveled the playing field now. Topanga and you are equal because even though you just ruined her reputation and made the entire school think that she put out, you admitted that you're still a virgin. There's could be nothing worse than that. So I guess you guys are even? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did either of you feel like, oh, I I want to hide the fact that I'm a virgin, or I feel ashamed of being a virgin?
2: Kind of.
0: I felt, I felt ashamed not being a virgin. I remember that. I think it was senior
1: year. I was like, well, I feel so awkward because we remember we had like that very religious friend group, and everyone was kind of like wholesome appearing at least. And I, was like, <laughs> I remember going to read and being like, well, I feel so out of place that like I'm the only non-virgin kind of like anti-religious person here and Reed looked at me and was like nah son like it's like a it's that's that's not the case but I just remember feeling that way like I felt like oh my god I feel so bad as that I'm not a virgin and everyone else here is like pure and, and still I'm innocent say, huh. and so did I know.
2: Kara <laughs> <laughs> did you have that at all? Kind of. I think I probably had sex sooner than I was ready to because I felt like I had this really, like, wholesome persona that I never really felt like was accurate. So I didn't know, like, what I was giving off. So I was like, well, I need to have sex because (laughs) I'm not, like, as wholesome as I feel like I'm coming off. And then afterwards, I was like, well, shit, we do have all these really religious friends. I'm going to like Bible study with them, even though I'm not Baptist. Like I don't know why I'm there, and secretly, like I'm having sex on after I leave there. So it was like a very weird time. <laughs> I think that that's
1: something that we should definitely explore as well. Like this idea of everyone's having sex, and like again, like Corey Im- immediately is a god. And it's like, everyone's just like, oh, you've done the, I mean, and it's like, what's that whole hype about? There are kids who are way older than Corey who are like looking to Corey. And you're like, I mean, not saying that, you know, age has anything to do with when you lose your virginity. But I'm just saying it's this idea of you're telling me no one in that group is having sex. It's just like, it's, no, it's definitely this perception that everyone wants to put off. It's just like Corey's done Corey and Topanga have broken the
0: seal and they're the first couple to have sex in the entire school. And you're like, nah. (laughs) Well, One thing I will give the episode credit for is that while they do kind of say that like, hey, you should have sex when you're in love and that's kind of the main message that they're trying to give off, they never once villainize sex in and of itself, which I actually think is a pretty forward way to discuss sex with children because as we know from our, like respect programs and different things that we like abstinence, like stuff that we had in our school that we experienced. um, That's not always the case. So to have like school at least, John Adams is having like an open discussion about hey, sex has a time and place. It's not all terrible. You just need to be responsible. Yeah, (laughs) you just need to be careful and responsible with it. I felt like that was a really mature way to have that conversation.
2: What I thought was interesting too is when they're all telling Corey that he's a god, it's like all of the boys seem to think that everyone was doing it, so they should too. And then once it comes out that Corey did it, all the guys are swarming around him, telling him he's a god because he's like the first one. So it's like none of them are having sex. No. They I all just, just want to be. be.
0: Yeah, that's and a great point. It's
2: like, It's like this thing, like Topanga said, that they are... It's a goal that they all want to reach. They don't even know why. None of them have. And then Corey's suddenly a god when they think that he's done it.
1: Okay, so we just did uh, our conversation about the episode. Do you
0: guys have your bruh moments? It's that moment of when Corey says... Uh, Just because some guy says something about a girl doesn't mean, the girl wants to kill herself over it, question mark. Um, To me, that just seemed like the most, like, like I literally stopped and I was like, bruh. Like, I paused it and said that to myself. So I thought that would be something to bring up here just because of where internet trolling and bullying is going. Um, And just bullying in general. Something that was never discussed when we were kids, like... And the, the social push for bullying has taken on a whole new life in this new generation that we never had when we were kids. Bullying was like this expected rite of passage that was kind of taught to us like almost like uh, hazing. Um, I remember kids openly getting bullied in school and teachers just kind of like, oh, that's high school, that's kids. Whereas yeah. now there just seems to be a much more mature take on it. So that was my bra moment.
2: Um, we kind of talked about it a couple times, but Topanga saying that set to boy sex as a goal and they're after it and not really sure why that just hit me so deep and I was like that I feel like perfectly explains boys at that age and even in men into adulthood just like it part you know guys have to be responsible but part of it is just I feel like instinctual it's something that they're after and Part of it you can't blame, I guess. It's just going about it responsibly.
1: Sure, you can't blame, but you, can definitely, <laughs> you can't blame, but you can definitely control. You know, I think that that's one of the things where it's like that's even what this episode is about. It's like, all right, yeah, you want it, but like there are other people involved. It's not just about you. Yeah. You know? and I really think that that's one of the things that this episode kind of uh, tries to teach. Uh, another thing for me, my moment uh, was actually the one with Frankie. I thought Frankie's uh, whole, well, his not Frankie, uh, Joey. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, it was Joey. Joey's whole synopsis of love and sex and his whole thing for me. What was really interesting is when he was like in a monogamous, a monogamous relationship, preferably marriage, showing that you know there are other options to it. And I was like, that's a really good way of the way he said it, it was like, there's no judgment. You don't have to do this, it this way. Uh, Monogamy is not the only option. Marriage isn't the only thing that makes it legitimate. But if you want to go this route, this is you know, the traditional route and my understanding of it. And I was like, that's a really 2018 way of, of saying it. You know, It's kind of like, uh, yeah, I just, I really liked it. No way. All right, and then what do we? I mean, we've kind of talked uh, uh, long about it, but the collective Feeny taught me. Like, what do you think is the the takeaway, or what did you learn the most from this episode?
0: I will say that I think, um, for me, the biggest takeaway is not only like just putting sex aside, just realizing the importance of reputation, realizing. Um, you know, these things, these actions that you do, these words that you say can sometimes have a life long after you've said or done them. So all the more reason to be cautious and to be a little bit, uh, more respectful of people. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of big lessons in this episode, a lot of big learns, but I just thought that was a a really, um, interesting one.
2: Yeah. And kind of piggybacking off that, I think like the difference between men and women stood out a lot and The difference between, like, Corey said it, so it must be true, but Topanga denying it must not be true. So kind of like a gender thing of, like, why don't we believe the girl? Why do we automatically believe the boy that this happened? Is it just because the guys wanted to believe that it happened? And they just totally blocked out the fact that Topanga is denying it. Or I assume denying it.
1: Sure, sure. That's actually like a, a really amazing. I really like that. Uh, for me, um, I actually, it is Feeny for the first time. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but Feeny's whole thing, it's like you gave them a sexual assignment and you didn't watch them. It's like a, that for me was kind of one of the things where it's like, a, it's not that you can't have these discussions about sex or that students shouldn't uh, have their own understanding. It's like a, they still need guidance, you know, they still need. They're still young. They're still impressionable. These things, misunderstandings still happen. So it is the adult's responsibility to not only let them have these conversations openly and in non traditional ways, but still supervised and still with a, an eye on those nuances that we talked about that they may not understand.
2: Yeah, and kind of like guide them down yeah. the path. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, as Feeney said, Teach. (laughs) 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 So, all right. So what grade are you giving this episode?
2: I thought it was an A.
1: I agree. I'm giving this episode an A. Yeah. It's an A episode for me. Is this our first imaginative A? It
2: stood out. It's one that sticks in my memory. Um, Like, even when you told me which episode it was and I looked up the description, I'm like, oh, I can picture them editing the video I can picture Topanga's response to the rumor. It just, I feel like beginning to end, it really taught the lesson that it intended to.
0: This is cream of the crop, Boy Meets World. This is best of the best, Boy Meets World. I know this because me and Siege have seen episodes where, like, wow, this episode would have been perfect, but, but, like, as much as we're kind of like, like in 2020 hindsight, you know, it's 2018, we're looking back at it and we're like, oh, they could have done this, this, a little differently. Overall, the episode is great. It's solid writing. It's acted well throughout. It's directed well. Um, and just as far as just Boy Meets World episodes go, like Caroline said, it's memorable. But it's just a, a a great story from beginning to end well done. So I a I you know what? I'm giving it an A+. Yeah, you know, for me, I think it was, um, I think as you pointed out, it's,
1: even when we're doing these edits, we're not saying that they should take anything away. We're, like, just wanting more. You know, you're right. Like, what they did with their time, it was perfectly done. I feel like our critiques were, like, if they could have had more time to go into this, or if they could have, you know... If this were an hour episode or a two-parter, you could have really kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and, like, of course, it's easy to say, because if we would have gotten a two-parter, we most likely would have gotten, like, a a stupid B-plot that makes no sense. But, you know, I just think that this episode is handled so well that it does get ingrained in your memory. And it talks about a subject matter that now I didn't realize it most likely made an impact on me at, you know, when I first saw it. And I think that's the point. It's like, now it's iconic because I'm older, but it also had to be impactful for me to remember it all these years later.
0: Not just remember it, but just remember this, like, and like Caroline said, I think it was subconscious of, sex and, and and love. Like that thing was just one of those things that you just kind of get over and over again the importance of love that it becomes ingrained in your in your childhood to the point where you're not even realizing you're getting influenced by it until you're thirty and you're looking back at an episode and you're like, this is my whole life <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh how about homework? Anyone uh what do you what do you have for homework? I have a homework or a a reference i have discovered a band by the name of sweet crude um i am going to new orleans this weekend and um i was looking into some new orleans based bands i found them what i really like about them is that they have a really fun like folk pop kind of like um i don't know uh luminaires type of vibe But they're also, um, because they're from New Orleans, they incorporate a lot of Creole and French into their lyrics, and it's just a really, like, interesting hybrid of music, and I just love when, like, music just hybrids into this brand new original thing. So, uh, yeah, the band's name is Sweet Sweet Crude. Um, they have, um, an album called Creatures that just came out in 2017. They also have their original EP, Super Villain, that came out in 2014 that I'm in love with. So, you guys are on Spotify or any kind of streaming service, I would recommend you checking them out.
1: Caroline, what do you got?
2: I'm going to say watch Bob Ross.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Love it.
2: Relaxing and positive. I, my husband and I were talking I can't picture that being on TV today. Unless it was ironic. Yeah. But it wasn't ironic. That's just how he was. Just a positive happy person that happy little trees just made him so excited
0: he does give off a very mr rogers type of energy This just kind of yeah. just like very just good and pure and just simple see <laughs> um so my homework assignment is actually i am
1: head over hills with this um, one youtube star named sailor j um, i think Um, Her account is Slaylor J or something like that, but uh, she spells it Sailor J. And she does all of these little, she does makeup tutorials, but she does them in like a very unconventional way. Um, And they're just hilarious. I absolutely love her. And she's very, very, um, I don't wanna say outspoken, but she's very vocal about issues when she doesn't have to be. She realized that she had this platform and she started using it in different ways. Um, And she's very progressive in her speak. Um, And she's hilarious. That's more than anything, besides her being really good at comedy and really vocal and really approaching subject matters in a great way for YouTube generation, she's just funny. She has comedic timing. She she edits her own videos, and you're just like a – you can tell that this girl is talented. So if you ever get a chance, I'm going to put the link to one of her videos in our uh, description. But, yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Do yourself a favor. Check out Sailor J
0: okay so wrapping it up um before we close out i do just want to thank caroline again for coming on as a guest we really enjoy having you we really enjoy getting a third person especially a female perspective on these episodes um and so it's just always good talking to you
2: thank you guys for asking me i was so excited because i when you guys came out with this podcast i was obsessed with the idea immediately so i'm so excited that you asked me to be a part of it
1: Yay! I was gonna say, um, where where can our listeners find you? Where where, where do you uh, want to? So
2: my I do art and photography and graphic design, and my Instagram handle is um, at o underscore so
0: graceful.
1: Okay, got it, and definitely we'll keep those links. I uh, was oh,
0: so graceful.
1: Remember that shit, y'all. Follow. <laughs> All right, and then we want to thank you for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the places where you can listen to your podcast. Make sure you leave us a rating. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Brum Meets World and on Instagram at Brum Meets World. Email us at brummeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra C, so That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. And TC? You can find me at a Brave of Meat. All right, Caroline, would you mind? Uh... Getting us out in the little tag.
2: Remember to dream, try, do good.
1: Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Later, bros. Later, bro.